The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello there. Obi-Wan Kenobi here, also known as James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan. Jedi Master Plo Koon. And many other characters in the world of Star Wars. You're listening to... Shh, don't tell. It's the secrets of Star Wars. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the secrets of Star Wars episode 118. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Uh, just a reminder to please share the podcast on your favorite social media and leave us a review uh, to let us know how we're doing. And it also helps us get seen by more people who would love to listen to us talk about Star Wars. And today we are very excited to have a special episode of the podcast, but before we get to the main event, joining me tonight on the panel is the Bendu herself, Angela Cialana. Oh, Mike, am I going to steal this from you? Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it might be appropriate if you all do that. And <laughs> second up is old Ben, uh, Mike Creevy. Well, what I was going to say was so uncivilized, but that doesn't actually fit here. But, uh, <laughs> hello. It's good, it's good to be here. <laughs> um, if you couldn't tell by, by the introductions of those, uh, there's a Kenobi theme happening with this particular episode. But before we talk anything about the uh, Jedi Master himself, we are thrilled and honored to welcome a very special guest on the show tonight. You would know him best as the author of uh, a few Star Wars books and comics, and particularly he's, he wrote the Legends Kenobi novel. We welcome to the show this evening, John Jackson Miller. Hello, uh, John, hello there, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, hello there, Keep in keeping with the theme. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how are things going for you? I've... It's uh, been incredibly busy. I, I think uh, I just finished, um, well, over, over the, the, the last five weeks, um, I, I had Mid-SouthCon in Memphis, then uh, was finishing up the, the new novel, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The High Country, oh, cool. uh, which is the debut novel for Strange New Worlds. Then had to run down to Chicago, uh, Star Trek Chicago, to announce it. Uh, then I did uh, Fan Expo Indianapolis the following weekend. Uh, and uh, then uh, this past weekend, or rather yesterday as we're recording this, uh, was uh, uh, Free Comic Book Day. and. Oh, that was uh, incredibly cool. busy because, you know, we had <laughs> May the 4th and then the Strange New Worlds release and uh, the Picard finale mm -hmm. all in the same week. And it was just very, very busy wow. for me. So 
That's awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing that uh, us Star Wars fans are not jealous for the amount of Star Trek work that you do. Right. Uh, but it's funny because, like, there I, is I'm, no conflict. I'm, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge Star Trek fan as well. <laughs> no, I, I, have, I have a line there. I, you know, Dar- Vader says there is no conflict. And of course, uh, you know, as Spock would say, uh, infinite diversity and infinite combination. So, uh, yes. and, and really, you know, there's so many ways. Uh, I, I, one of the things I announced uh, just a couple of days ago was uh, I've done um, uh, Professor Amy Sturgis uh, and uh, another professor named Emily Strand who do uh, books about pop culture uh, things for academia. Uh, I, they asked me to do an essay just on, uh, you know, Star Wars and canon. And then they started working on a book on Star Trek and canon and Star Trek and, and, multimedia uh, uh, approaches to, to storytelling. Uh, and they they started by asking me for one essay, then it became two. Uh, and so I, in addition to the other things I've done, I, I wrote an essay for uh, these two books, two, two essays for these books that are coming out in 2023, where I get into the origins of Star Wars and Star Trek storytelling outside of TV uh, or mm. outside of the movies. And, um, it was amazing to me the number of places where Star Trek and Star Wars actually uh, feed off of each other and uh, react to one another and build upon you know things that uh, you know proof of concept that have been done in the in the other franchise and then the names that just go back and forth that you see you know multiple times. I used to joke that you had to have the initials JJ to do both Star Wars and Star Trek, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean it's it's been you know, this is a, this is a very old thing. So, oh well, that's that's really cool. Um, we're gonna stick mostly to Star Wars sure. though for our discussion uh, this sure evening. Uh, so uh, the the first question that that we have for you is, what was your first experience of Star Wars? Uh, that would have been wondering what the heck it was, because uh, all the other kids were starting to talk about it, and I hadn't gone yet. Uh, you know, there was a, a a little girl that lived down the street from me who uh, had lost most of her teeth, because uh, uh, we're talking about eight or nine years old at this point. And uh, uh, yeah, I, she kept talking about all the characters, and I couldn't understand who she was referring to, because it was, yeah, it, 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 she was talking about Darth Vader, and I said, do you really mean Dark Invader? What are you talking about? What is this name? Uh, and and then, of course, I ended up getting the comics before I could uh, see the movie. Uh, the comics had been released uh, starting in March of uh, 1977. Uh, of course, the novel had come out, uh, uh, you know, December of 76. Uh, and the the whole idea was to build up you know support and interest in it uh and so you know i we weren't even really able to get into the theater yet uh mm-hmm. and uh you know it was back in the days before uh multiplexes, so you know films would have uh you know runs in towns where it would be exclusive to one theater or another for a while uh you know where I ended up seeing it. Uh, was the Whitehaven Twin Theater, uh, which uh, was in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, this was uh, about two blocks from Graceland. Uh, and so this is the theater where Elvis would watch movies at night. Uh, he would close down the theater after midnight, and he and his friends would watch movies. And uh, yeah, that was probably the last movie that Elvis saw was was in that theater. So uh, I, I did not actually uh, see it with Elvis. Uh, I did not get in until like the second or third attempt 
of going, uh, but my sister, uh, Kathy, uh, to whom Kenobi is, is dedicated uh, for making sure her kid brother got in to see the movie, uh, she made sure that it finally happened. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that is awesome. It's a great origin story with uh, Star Wars. Yep. Um, so now we'd like to know a little bit more about your origin story with writing. So um, how did you get into writing and did you always want to be an author growing up or working in comics and novels? Uh, you know, I was uh, lucky that I, I grew up in a house where, you know, books were readily available. And, uh, you know, I also had uh, my older sister who was into all these pop cultural things. So she was able to, you know, clue me into uh, you know, things that were happening out there, you know, you know, James Bond, Mighty Python, George Carlin, everything that, you know, other kids didn't discover until, you know, their teenage years, probably. I was hearing immediately uh, or hearing about immediately. Uh, you know, she worked in the local record store where they had the, uh, you know, the uh, the Star Wars soundtrack had the posters inside them, the uh, the John Berkey poster with, uh, uh, you know, all the all the the attack on the Death Star. Uh, made sure I had a couple of those. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I had, uh, you know, uh, my mother was a grade school librarian. And so uh, other people's mothers threw their comics away. My mom put, you know, encouraged me to put my comics in order. Uh, and they've, they've stayed in order ever since. Uh, and uh, and the uh, the new Dawn novel is uh, dedicated to my mother for that, that mm. reason. Uh, but, uh, you know, I started drawing my own comics at age six. Uh, and mm. uh, which is about the same time I was I was starting to read them. Uh, and I uh, was also, you know, hammering out, uh, you know, stories, typewritten stories uh, on the on the old Smith Corona typewriter we had. Uh, and, you know, I had my own franchises of of characters. Um, you know, people always ask, did you do a lot of fan fiction? I didn't know what fan fiction was. Uh, mm. I was always using my own characters in part because. I was a poor artist, and if I wanted to draw, uh, you know, Han Solo or or Iron Man, nobody would have recognized them. So, uh, you know, I was I was doing my own characters, uh, and also I was enough of a capitalist that I knew that I wanted to be able to publish these things and sell them. Uh, and you know, uh, later on, uh, you know, I discover uh, through Comics Buyer's Guide magazine, uh, a newspaper for fans, uh, that you know, there's there are fanzines out there. Uh, and that people are mailing fanzines and also, uh, you know, the, the, the small press comics back and forth to one another. Uh, and I was doing that in high school, uh, also edited the uh, the campus newspaper uh, in high school and then at college. Uh, and uh, and so, I, you know, I kind of had that background of, uh, you know, I was always, uh, you know, doing some writing, uh, always, uh, you know, using usually my own characters. Uh, and of course, that's sort of the big irony is um, the last 20 years, just about and it'll be it'll be 20 years uh, next year that, uh, you know, since my first, uh, I would say, professional comics work for Marvel. Uh, yeah, I've worked almost exclusively, not entirely, but almost exclusively in other people's sandboxes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but, you know, the benefit there is, at least in terms of comics, um, you know, I've got talented artists who know what Iron Man uh, looks like. Uh, and, uh, and so there you go. Uh, well, and John, I want to follow up on the, the, uh, comics, uh, 
issue in particular here, because I've been curious about this myself, what the process for that is like, as opposed to with novels, you know, how different you know, writing comics is than that. And if, if you have a preferred yeah. medium, you know, between them. Uh, you know, I started writing uh, comics first because um, I, I mentioned that Comics Buyer's Guide, uh, you know, magazine. Uh, that was my second job out of uh, out of grad school. Uh, my oh. my first job was editing a line of trade magazines for the lumber industry, uh, and I don't know what you've heard about the lumber business, but uh, whatever you've heard, it's it's not as glamorous and interesting as, as all of that. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it, it, and so when I found out that you know the Comics Buyer's Guide was looking for uh, somebody to come up and work with uh, Don and Maggie Thompson, who were uh, yeah, very much uh, legends in the comics fandom. Uh, they were, you know, more or less the George and Martha Washington of comics fandom. Uh, <laughs> did the first fanzine. Uh, did uh, you know? Attended all the first conventions. Uh, you know, that was that was something that was. Uh, you know, I I I left left for uh, left for Wisconsin uh, in a heartbeat uh, as soon as I got that job. Uh, and I and I got uh, I got the chance to uh, to pitch for Marvel uh, uh, about a, a decade into that job. Uh, and, uh, it, the thing about doing comics is, um, you know, it's, it's like a movie in some ways and not like a movie in other ways, but it is like a movie in the sense that, you know, you're kind of giving the, uh, you know, you're giving the artist directions. You're, you're kind of, mm. you know, in a sense, you are a bit of a cinematographer because you're telling which shots you want to see and, you know, who you want to see in them and what order they speak in. And, uh, you know, you can kind of give some guidance as to, um, you know, how to frame things. Uh, but generally, you don't go over the top of the the artist a lot in terms of, uh, you know, being too specific. I've done comic sequences where there have been very specific action sequences where, you know, this needed to happen and then this and then this. That's often very difficult to pull off. Uh, it's better if, you know, particularly in combat sequences for the artists to have uh, room to do what they want to do. Uh, on the other hand, um, the place where I kind of you know, get really involved uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I guess, over-prescribing what uh, I want to see happen, uh, it has to do with the jokes. Um, you know, the when, when, it, when a joke <laughs> is just two characters talking at a wall, like, uh, you know, Charlie Brown and Linus at the wall and Peanuts, uh, you're, you don't need a lot of creative camera work uh, you know, right. to, to go, cause I, I, I did have those moments happen in the comics after I, I, I really just expected two characters talking, talking heads and, you know, I got, you know, bird's eye view shot and then close up and then, you know, and it's all very creative, but it, you know, the, the, the point of the scene is the, uh, is the joke. Uh, right. so, and, and the expression, so let's, let's go like that. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, generally that is not a problem. Uh, yeah, it, it, it does happen to a degree just because, uh, one of the things that happens with comics is that most modern comics are done uh, in a in a way where you know you and the artist never meet. Um, mm-hmm. You and the artist often don't have conversations. Uh, me and most of my artists don't speak the same language uh, because a lot of people are overseas, uh, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know I uh, I generally have one shot uh, at the beginning of explaining what I mean, uh, and so. Uh, you know, I've done mostly, um, not entirely. I've 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 done many more novel projects. Uh, you know, just by pure word count, uh, than uh, than comics in the last decade. Uh, you know, not not because of out of, out of preference necessarily. 
but I, I'll say that uh, it is nice to be able to, uh, you know, frame every shot mentally for people on my own. Uh, you know, <laughs> sure. it's, it's now, now and, and, and if people don't understand what a you know, situation looks like, uh, that's on me. That's my that's my fault entirely. Wow. Um, well, going into the Star Wars comics and novels as well, um, in particular, how, I mean, how did you end up getting, like, actually working on Star Wars? And and what is that experience like, um, you yeah. know, just starting off, but then, you know, just as it continues? Well, as, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I got Marvel in part because I, I knew the folks that worked there uh, and they knew me at that point. Uh, and uh, having done Iron Man, uh, I was actually uh, in Oregon uh, for a, a, a family reunion uh, and uh, realized that Dark Horse Comics was uh, nearby. Uh, and again, I knew them through the business and uh, arranged a tour. And I was just fortunate enough to see the editor uh, Randy Stradley uh, of the Star Wars office just before I was done with the tour. And it's like, give me a minute here. And I, <laughs> I, I just happened to have my Iron Man comics <laughs> along. Uh, and uh, and yeah, he said, yeah, we actually have an opening uh, on uh, on a series, uh, the Star Wars Empire series. I, I submitted several proposals. Uh, one of them was accepted, a Darth Vader story uh, that took place in between uh, episodes two and three not two and three episodes, episodes two and three. If you grew up what I did, <laughs> uh, uh, but episode episodes five and six. Uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah. And that went over well enough that I was asked to develop the Knights of the Old Republic series and the Knights of the Old Republic mm. lasted for five years, six years uh, over the course of you know, the various publications that we did. Um, ironically, again, uh, I discovered today is the 10th anniversary of the release of the final Knights of the Old Republic comics issue. Uh, wow, so it's, wow. it's been, been quite, quite a while. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it was, uh, 1,344 pages, which are now all in this one gigantic tome with, that we've got here, uh, the omnibus, uh, for it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, once I got, uh, Star Wars comics, uh, you know, then it was, a you know, it's just a matter of talking to the folks, uh, with regard to Star Wars games, uh, and then uh, and then prose short stories first for the website, uh, then uh, for uh, for Del Rey via the the Lost Tribe of the Sith short stories, and then the novel started with the, with the Knight Errant novel, where I also did a, a you know a, a a graphic novel at the same time or a comic series at the same time, uh, and it kind of went from there. And yeah, and just ever since then, uh, you know, every other thing I've worked on, where whether it's been uh, Simpsons or Star Trek or Conan uh, or the video games like Mass Effect or Halo, uh, mm. you know that's that's just been a matter of getting you know people to look at the stamps that are on your passport. They see that Marvel's stamp, they see the mm -hmm. uh, the Star Wars stamp. <laughs> they kind of say, "Well, you may be able to handle their characters without uh, uh, you know ruining the brand." That's so cool. Uh, I have been a, a just an avid fan of the the novels for I mean ever since I was in in grade school. And and so I'm I'm curious about your experience because you've done um, a few novels, but you've done novels pre Disney purchase of Lucasfilm yeah. and then post Disney uh, yeah. purchase. And so I I want to know what was your experience or how were the how are those experiences different? And then I guess going forward, how is it like working with the story group in yeah. creating the the new canon? 
Uh, well, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the Kenobi novel was actually uh, in, uh, we had just announced the Kenobi novel. I had not started the manuscript yet, but we had just announced the novel uh, three weeks before the Disney buyout. Uh, and, you know, I, I do know that we were being encouraged at that point to focus more on the original classic characters and whether that has something to do with the buyout or not. Probably not. Uh, you know, somebody must have known, but right. I, I'm guessing these things were kept close to the vest. Uh, but, uh, but you know, it, it, back in back in that phase, you know, everything still went through the Lucasfilm, uh, you know, uh, fiction office. Everything still went past, uh, uh, you know, Leland Chi, who's the keeper of the holocron. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and what happened is the next novel that I did was, um, the the novel that tied in with the Rebels TV series and yeah you know, immediately that was a different uh you know workflow because there was a an active project involved that had not been released yet mm-hmm. uh and so right. you know I had a situation where I was already in the beginning uh you know running outlines past uh the three executive producers uh, Greg Wiseman uh Dave Filoni and uh Simon Kinberg uh and getting their notes back on them uh, and, uh, you know, what happened is, as well as during that phase, you know, I was given access to a lot of the materials for the TV show, which was not expected to come out until, until after the, the novel came out. And then I, I did a, uh, you know, my first real actual, I space, I suppose, literal brush with the story group, uh, was a conference call with Dave Filoni and the other staffers at, uh, Lucasfilm about, you know, the Kanan character that is in, mm-hmm. Uh, that is in uh, New Dawn and everything like that, and uh, and you know that is that is uh, you know that just didn't seem to me to be a whole lot different uh, from how it normally would be doing something about a project or a, a you know a series that was uh, not available yet or was not not hmm. uh, where I was where I was predicting and not reacting uh, to things, and so uh, I was two thirds of the way through that book. Uh, when I got the call uh, to go to Lucasfilm uh, along with Timothy Zahn to do a video about uh, the new thing they were calling the, you know, the legends and also to introduce the Lucasfilm story group. Uh, and so the, the, the book that I had written, uh, it did not have an official title. It had two possible titles. Uh, my working title had been Loose Cannons. Uh, but it turns out that loose cannons and cannon probably wouldn't have been the right uh, joke to do. Although that that is that that is still in the book uh, in a uh, that is still in the book in the sense that there is a um, you know the the MacGuffin the the secret element that they're looking for or the secret uh, you know, compound they're trying to trying to get. The purpose of it is to uh, lubricate. Uh, uh, turbo turbo laser cannons. So there's there's already a loose cannon thing going on there. The other possible title I had for it was Rogue Elements, uh, and it probably would have been Rogue Elements had they not said, "Well, let's let's come up with something that has the feeling of a beginning." Uh, mm. And uh, of course, as you've observed, I ended up using Rogue Elements as the title of the Star Trek Picard novel for <laughs> Captain Rios that I just did, uh, and and that's something where. You know, it, it's something like a quadruple or quintuple entendre uh, relating to all of the other <laughs> things that happened in that book. So uh, so it, it turned out to be just as useful someplace else. 
but yeah, that's what happened then is, is uh, you know, and, and also during that meeting, I said, okay, look, if, if you're going to have a character that you want to carry on through some of the later uh, stories and, and put into some of the other, uh, you know, parts of the franchise, uh, you know, I, I, I recommended the, uh, the Ray Sloan character, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the captain of the Imperial ship uh, because, she, well, she survives the book. Uh, that's helpful. Uh, and and then also, uh, you know, she uh, is just a, a, an example of a kind of officer that I thought probably would exist in the Empire. Uh, and you know, I'm delighted that that character has appeared you know, since then uh, in comics, uh, other novels uh, and uh, a video game because uh, she's in Star Wars Squadrons as well. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I have just a super quick follow up to that because you were the first novel in the new canon. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure because of that as, as you're kind of starting this, this kind of new process to new viewers and new well, readers? You know, I, I just had somebody ask about this on Twitter five minutes ago uh, before the <laughs> broadcast. You know, what, 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 what was, what was, uh, what was George Lucas's view of, of, you know, canon, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I just pointed him to the Wikipedia entry because there's a big section on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, technically it was, there's not a new canon because previously it was what George wanted to do. And, you know, we adhered to what he had done on screen and we tried to uh, generate things that, you know, hopefully could be used on screen at some point. Uh, but, you know, the tail was not going to wag the dog here. I mean, this is, this is, we understood where we were in the, in the, in the scheme of things. Uh, and, you know, the difference simply is that, you know, with, uh, with everything, you know, narrative done post uh, New Dawn or starting with New Dawn and going afterward, you know, what it simply meant is that, you know, everybody involved was aware of these things. Uh, mm. And, and also there were occasions where, concepts could be salted into our books uh, that they might draw upon later. So, um, you know, it's not well remembered now, probably, but uh, New Dawn ended up releasing uh, a month before Rebels came out. Um, And, uh, you know, not, not, probably not entirely to the benefit of the book in terms of, of just sales, just because, you know, people didn't know who the characters were when they saw them in the store. Uh, But, uh, but, uh, you know, it was, it was something where we had worked together, uh, you know, so much beforehand uh, that, you know, Vanessa Marshall told me that she had read the book. She's the voice of Hera. Mm-hmm. She had read the book and was trying to incorporate that into some of her later performances. And, and she did do a, a reading uh, of, of, of one of the Hera chapters uh, for Entertainment Weekly. And that's that's linked on the, the New Dawn page on my website, which is <laughs> farawaypress.com. Well, and that's, um, and, and we were blessed to be able to have Vanessa on the show a, a while back, you know, and, and oh, good. just so, so cool to talk to her. So that's, that's great to hear. And that was one, uh, New Dawn, I really enjoyed that quite a bit. You know, so thank you for that. I just oh, sure. want to throw that in. And, but we're all here, actually, you guys uh, can hold yours up too. Those, <laughs> the listeners can't see us. We're all holding our Kenobi Okay. Here. Yeah, they're all autographed, that's, by that's the way. The, that's, that's the one right. everybody's going to go buy now. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, that's, uh... I love that image. Oh, my gosh. But we, of course, you know, we have, at the time of this recording, we're a few weeks out from the, the release of this new Kenobi series. Um, and so we're all thrilled for this. I know at least Angela and I are both uh, uh, in the same boat here that Obi-Wan's our favorite character uh, in Star Wars. And so um, with with your background writing this novel in particular, um. I have so many questions about it, but I want to start just asking you really, how did you approach this in the first place? Like just getting in this character, getting in this time, um, preparing for, for this story itself. What was that experience like? Uh, well, it started 
It started seven years before the book came out uh, because <laughs> it was originally going to be a graphic novel. Um, oh, I man. had uh, I had quit my day job uh, at uh, the comics magazines the, at the publishing company because I had so much stuff going on in comics. And one of the things that I was asked to do is come up with a concept for a graphic novel for what would have been Star Wars's 20th anniversary and also Dark Horse. They were having uh, or Star Wars's 30th anniversary and then Star Wars mm. uh, Dark Horse is having its 20th anniversary. And what I had said is uh, we start we started discussing uh, westerns that we liked, and we kicked around the idea of uh, uh, this is me and Jeremy Barlow, who was my editor uh, in the in the comics offices, uh, and you know, we were kicking around idea maybe something with Boba Fett, maybe he's the mysterious stranger who wanders into town, something like that. Uh, you know that that led to a discussion of the movie Shane, which was mm-hmm. uh, the famous western that. Uh, you know, both a novel and uh, and then a movie uh, uh, starring Alan Ladd, uh, whose whose son uh, Alan Ladd Jr. was a producer of Star Wars, uh, and right. uh, so there's a, there's a, there's some uh, kismet right there. There's some karma uh, going on there, and so uh, what uh, what happened is I I wrote a, really just like a five paragraph uh, a, a, a brainstorm uh, that I sent in an email, and the email was titled "The Ben Kenobi Western." And I, in it, there are the broad strokes of the entire novel. Uh, and uh, it, it changed somewhat, but it did not change entirely. Uh, you know, it, instead of, uh, I think the major difference was that uh, in addition to the names of the characters changing, uh, that uh, originally um, uh, the character that would become Annaline uh, was not Oren's, uh, you know, uh, coworker or not coworker, but neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was uh, Oren's daughter, uh, oh, and okay. she discovered the horrible things her father had done. And mm-hmm. um, I, I realized uh, if by the second draft. No, it's more interesting if she and uh, if she and Obi Wan are, are, or maybe the second draft or the third draft. There was a draft in there where I decided it was more interesting if if she were more his peer in age mm-hmm. uh, and the moments that I wanted to get with, uh, you know, uh, there being, uh, you know, a younger uh, female character in there uh, uh, that I was able to accomplish with her daughter. Right, uh, right. And, and so, uh, and, and that allowed me also to, you know, really uh, deal with Annalene's character as somebody who was a single mom and who was, who was dealing with, um, you know, uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi has lost everything uh, and he's uh, been uprooted. He's been sent off to the middle of nowhere. Uh, And he knows what his mission is, but that's, that's it. Uh, Whereas Annalene, due to the death of her husband, um, she has not had time ever to contemplate what a new life for herself might look like because right. she's still trapped under the wreckage of the life that she had. Mm. Uh, she's, she's, she is, in fact, by the time we get to the Kenobi novel, she is the, uh, the glue holding the entire village together. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and it is just crushing for her. <laughs> and so she and he are coming at, uh, at uh, life from these different directions so, so I had these these interesting things going on, and I also, you know, the Tuscan Raiders are in there as of I think the second draft, I think the uh, uh, or the first draft in a way, 
Uh, and then we then we get the uh, you know even even Jabba Jabba the Hutt's accountant he's in there by the by the, uh, the the second or third draft and I was I was delighted to get him in such that by the time I got to the third draft um, this thing was fifty pages long the outline and there was no way in the world it was ever going to fit into a graphic novel uh, and then uh, a couple of things happened uh, in the uh, spring of seventy uh, seventy seven the spring of 07. Uh, it, you know, first of all, there started to be a buzz that uh, George Lucas might be willing to come back and do a TV show that, you know, the mm-hmm. rumor was it would be on ABC. This is even before you know, Disney right. owned Star Wars. Uh, but there was a rumor that there might be a, a Disney show that would be set in this period. And suddenly mm-hmm. we're like, well, maybe we shouldn't touch Obi-Wan in this stretch. Uh, and then the other thing that happened is uh, my editor, Jeremy Barlow, uh, he got the Indiana Jones franchise, and mm. uh, and I had already put my marker down saying if there's a Indiana Jones four, I want to write that um, that uh, that book, <laughs> uh, and and any book that comes after it, um, and you know, and that's what ended up happening is I ended up writing the the uh, uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull uh, adaptation. We ended up parking or shelving the whole comics idea. Uh, it did not come up again until. Uh, I did mention it uh, to my editor, uh, Shelley Shapiro, um, uh, right after uh, I finished the uh, the Night Errant novel, the first Night Errant novel. Just wasn't time for it yet. When it did come about uh, was, uh, and this is interesting as well, because it goes back to what I mentioned earlier uh, in, in the, the podcast about, you know, the, uh, you know it, uh, the, the last issue of Knights of the Old Republic came out uh on uh, i guess may 8th uh 2012 uh, at that point i had been looking at various ways to continue that series either with a comic series or with uh, something in prose uh and i had already by that point realized that it wasn't going to happen in comics i had a prose proposal to do something with those characters and that was uh really the thing that i brought down to Star Wars celebration in Orlando uh, in in 2012 uh, as as my lead possible thing uh, to do. And again, as I mentioned, they weren't really looking at doing stuff with the as much stuff with the characters in the past anymore, or not in the past, but the the non major mm. characters, the spin, you know, the spin off characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, you know, Shelley said, oh, that's that first idea is interesting. Do you have anything with any of the older characters or the existing characters, the major characters? I said, well, you know, I got Kenobi. Uh, I, that's that's which at the time was just Ben because we called it Ben. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it became known as Kenobi because uh, there was still a Ben Skywalker in canon, uh, not in canon, yeah, right. rather, in, yep. in the EU, in the EU, yeah, right? Uh, and uh, and so we, for confusion purposes, we made it Kenobi, which turned out to be a good idea. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and you know, we're kind of off from there. And I went back and I dusted off the uh, the the outline and realized that boy, it, it, first of all, I boiled it down from the 50 pages to, uh, you know, to like 10. Uh, and, uh, and I wrote a sample chapter, uh, because, uh, you know, the, the, the conceit of the book is that 95% of it is told through the, uh, the eyes of the other characters, uh, right. not, not through Obi-Wan's eyes. Um, and that, uh, that percentage increased, uh, in Obi Wan's favor, when um, uh, you know Jen Heddle, uh, Jennifer Heddle, who's the fiction editor at Lucasfilm, uh, she recommended, "Hey, let's do a couple more of the uh, some more of the uh, 
of the uh, meditations. Meditations, that, yeah. They're, they're places where Obi Wan can talk to the reader uh, uh, about uh, you know what's going on in his life. Everything else, you're getting mm. it, you know, filtered through uh, you know his interactions with the others. Uh, right. And uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, that was majorly. You know, it was the story was already there, uh, and uh, you know, I, I wrote it over the uh, the uh, you know the winter of uh, 2012, beginning of 2013, uh, and then the novel came out uh, in uh, August of 2013. Um, hmm. And uh, and we did the the uh, the uh, the uh, the the book release uh, party that we did was actually at a bookstore in Memphis. Went back to my hometown for it. Uh, which is just a couple of blocks away from uh, the theater that did have the exclusive uh, opening run of the of the movie back in uh, in 1990, 1990, 1977. So it's all it's all connected over time. <laughs> uh, speaking of Obi Wan, a little bit more in particular, uh, you definitely had to kind of get into his mind and understand what what he was doing there on Tatooine. Uh, do you have any personality traits that you share? with obi-wan I kenobi i don't know uh, we, uh, i have a beard i guess i don't <laughs> you know I, I i don't know i i really try to submerge myself into whoever i'm writing um sometimes uh you know that's that's uh you know got deleterious effects i mean i when i wrote the lost tribe of the sith series uh particularly uh when i was inside uh, the mind of Sela, who's one of the this, the you know, particularly pernicious uh, members of the Sith. Uh, you know, I felt like I needed a shower after uh, after <laughs> writing because uh, you know it was just uh, you know the, some of the terrible things she did. Uh, and then um, you know the novel that I wrote uh, here most recently uh, before the uh, the Picard novel, I wrote a novel uh, for for Star Wars for Star Trek uh, Discovery. Uh, called Die Standing, which is about the Emperor from the Mirror Universe. Uh, that's uh, that's Emperor Georgiou, the Michelle Yeoh character, uh, and uh, and basically, you know, her world is a moral snake pit, uh, and and you know, her initial response is always sarcasm, always insulting, always suspicion, always everything, uh, and she is. She's she's a very similar character to Obi Wan in a sense because she's also been uprooted. Uh, same for uh, same for Rios in in uh, Picard, cut off from everything, uprooted. Same for uh, same for uh, 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 Kanan Jarrus in in New Dawn. Same for Zane Carrick in uh, in uh, you know, Knights of the Old Republic. Same for um, uh, same for Kara Holt in the Knight Errant novels. I I have a lot of these people who are uh, completely cut off from the support systems or the rules of the world that they used to live in. Uh, and the mm. reward systems that they used to have to respond to, uh, and they're ha- they're they're cut loose. They're you know I used to say that I I my specialty is writing Jedi alone, uh, Jedi who are cut off from the order, who are having to decide what they feel um, about the 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 order itself and uh, its strictures and its outlooks on things. Uh, you know uh, without. Uh, without that body being around, um, mm. and 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 I used to say you know, I just did Jedi alone, but I've I've now done enough of these stories for other things that I I also also could say I could do that for Mirror Universe Emperors alone yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and other people who are again 
you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, cast out, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, stow, uh, not stowaways, but castaways. Hmm. Uh, castaways are kind of what I do. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, you can't really do religious issues, for example, directly in, um, in Star Wars, uh, the same way you could do it in Star Trek. Star Trek, well, hmm. I mean, if you if you read my my Rios novel, my the, the Picard Rios novel, you know, I actually have you know the character who reads philosophy, uh, you know, you know, going through the debates between you know Jacques Derrida and Kierkegaard in their readings <laughs> of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, right. <laughs> where whereas right. if you're going to do that for Star Wars, it's got to be philosophy that's you know done through a different filter, done through right. You know, universal or, or, or in that universe characters, um, right? And uh, but but you know, I mean, there there's a lot of ways that you can get at these things, and um, you know, I, my general uh, you know approach to Star Wars kind of you know, people ask if I have if I have you know thoughts about the Jedi, thoughts about the Republic, thoughts about various things. I think if you were to read everything I've done for Star Wars. Uh, there's there's kind of two themes. Uh, one is that uh, the relationship between the uh, the Jedi Order and the Republic is a really bad deal. Uh, that that uh, the, you know, the the Jedi Order is uh, you know is is often relied upon by the Republic as a a basically a police force that works for free. Uh, a, 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 a and and I always have felt that that is not what the Jedi ought to be. What the Jedi ought to be is they ought to be Jedi. They ought to, I, I've always said the best scene uh, in the original, uh, not the original, but in the prequel trilogy, my favorite scene in the prequel trilogy is Obi-Wan Kenobi telling the guy not to sell him death sticks telling him to go home and think about his life because that feels to me like the, that feels to me like a Jedi doing what a Jedi is supposed to do, uh, which is, which is ministering to the people and not going yeah. out and fighting wars against what are usually other Jedi, uh, mm. usually problems they've created. Uh, and, and, and then I would say that probably the other running theme is uh, that, uh, you know, I think that, that the, you know, the Jedi are generally better, trusting their own uh instincts as opposed to uh you know the the the, the body itself uh, uh you know again one one hesitates to use you you because these things are not not you know exactly uh parallel i mean the mm. the, the jedi order is not a church uh it is it right. is not a it is not a it is not a religious institution in the same way uh it, in, in 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 large measure it's a debating society uh, but, 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 but you, uh, but, but you don't necessarily want a debating society making certain decisions or personal decisions. And mm -hmm. so you, you do have this thing going on. Uh, and I think that actually really, you know, Terry Brooks kind of landed on it, uh, in the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, he uses the, uh, um, in the, Prequel trilogy, the first novel uh, for uh, the first adaptation uh, yeah. for uh, uh, Phantom Menace uh, describes there being this tension between the unifying force and the living force. The unifying yeah. force is you and your position in all of history and all of everything. 
and the living force is the people around you, the mm. people who surround you, and that uh, you know we have we have uh, we have uh, the living force more or less being represented in the prequel movie by Qui Gon saying, right. "You must become more attuned to the living force by Padawan mm. because." Yeah. Yeah, Obi-Wan has been taught by Yoda and has been taught by all these other seers that are part of the big picture. Uh, And, you know, look, Knights of the Old Republic, you know, the Zane Carrick story is is nothing if not an individual getting steamrollered by people who are looking at the big picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's, he's, He's a Jedi who, you know, basically falls through the cracks of this great, you know, prophecy that they've had looking for the Sith. Whereas Zane Carrick is more or less the li- you know living force personified in terms of yeah he only cares about his friends he only cares about the living people that he's run into he's never really thinking about the big picture he's never really thinking about the future he's never really thinking about any of that um, but you know I I I, I sort of. I sort of try to address these things like that because hmm. you know I I do think that that is uh, you know. Yeah, and again, I think Brooks was going off of some things, just elements that were just lines that were mentioned in Star Wars here and there. Um, but I think it really works uh, because uh, you you do get the sense in the original trilogy that um, you know, you know, the Emperor tells Luke that the, you know his faith in his friends is his weakness, mm. and no, it is Luke's faith in his friends that saves him. Right. If Luke had not left Dagobah when he did to go save his friends, and he failed, he failed to do mm-hmm. so, uh, he wouldn't have lost his hand. If he hadn't lost his hand, he wouldn't have looked at his hand mm-hmm. when he had a chance to slay Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems to me that that, you know, whether it's intentional or not, uh, I choose to interpret it mm-hmm. that that is... <laughs> That is Qui Gon's revenge. Uh, that is that is how he. That is more or less, um, you know, that's that's Luke sort of, you know, bringing these things. I guess if you want to say into balance, I don't know, yeah. but you know, yeah. it, it. You know, it, look in a sense, what we're all doing is we're all, you know, whatever the franchise is, whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek or, you know, the video games or other things. Yeah, we're all trying to, you know, take the the threads that are there uh, and elaborate on a little here and a little there, and uh, you know, make things. You know, what what the books that we do should sort of rhyme with what's going on in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm I'm sure there are people that have you know written books uh, that are much more off in the other direction from from you know my stories, which are a lot about loners. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot about people building their own communities outside the Jedi Order, um, but you know, it was obvious to me that you know the 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 uh, the preeminent Jedi alone is Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, he, he he everything he did, he had to do without um, you know without a without a without a structure. And again, mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons I think you know I, I don't discuss the sequels much, but one of the things I liked or didn't mind about the sequels is, uh, yeah, Luke Skywalker probably would have been very skeptical about the Jedi order. Uh, particularly the more he read about it, the more he read about it, uh, yeah. <laughs> the more he learned about it. Yeah. Uh, he would be pretty, 
pretty skeptical about, uh, you know, when Jedi form clubs, it's not usually a good thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's in my own work. That's uh, that's in the form of the Covenant. Uh, that's mm-hmm. in the form of Revan's group uh, yeah. in uh, in uh, the video game. Uh, so, yeah, this stuff is out there. And, you know, everybody who's writing can, can choose to focus on what they want to focus on. <laughs> well, John, all of these conversations around all these topics like this is what our podcast is oh, we're like yes. so pleased i know we're yep. all so pleased um yeah. to you know hear about this because i mean to us yeah i mean star wars that was one of the main right like um inspirations behind lucas's work um mm-hmm. in the first place was you know to to convey these themes of um you know morality and ethics and and right and wrong and um, you know, that kind of thing is is something that fascinates us with philosophy, spirituality, religion, etc. Um, so, you know, coming kind of back full circle to Kenobi then, mm-hmm. um, you know, as you said, you had to kind of get in his head, right? So, yeah. like, how do you understand Obi-Wan's connection to the Force? And I guess in particular with that... Um, with that novel, what kind of lessons do you think Obi-Wan is teaching us or that he can teach us through what we see there in, in, in his particular time in that novel? Well, I mean, we very much were trying not to show the force as uh, a, a, you know, a magic well. Um, you know, we've been told many times, don't create new powers. Don't create new. Don't, don't create new anything, uh, and that you know, the force really should not be any kind of uh, you know a, a, a literal compass or a literal divining rod saying go this way, not that. Uh, you know that you know, had to come from you know their their own personal ethics, their own you know teachings, and you know, uh, you know they could get the feeling that something was wrong, uh, but uh, you know the 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 dark side. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, again, I don't want to get into the, you know, the metaphysics that Lucas perceived or that others perceived or whatever. Uh, but you know, the, the, I, I, I tend to kind of feel that the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, there's not this well of positive energy and this well of negative energy and you tap into one or the other. I think it's more, you know, the dark side is really, uh, the the deeds that you do uh, and and what surrounds you and what corrupts you um, and and um, you know it, it it struck me that uh, you know he would uh, he would be uh, you know trying to find his way and trying to make decisions without being able to consult anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, Qui Gon never responds, and people kind of you know, I, I get people say why didn't why doesn't Qui Gon respond? Well, Qui Gon doesn't respond. Uh, in, in the original, original, original draft, he did. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was only because I had not read uh, Dark Lord yet. And Dark Lord is uh, a, a book by James Luceno, which establishes that uh, Obi-Wan, or establishes in the EU, that Obi-Wan uh, first learns of Darth Vader's identity as Anakin and Darth Vader's existence uh, at the same time that he first successfully communicates with Qui-Gon. So uh, that meant that in my story, he was never going to be able to actually, you know, get him to answer the phone. 
Uh, and so, uh, but that worked out just fine, I thought, because this is uh, Obi-Wan going through the, you know, their meditations for a reason. He's going through a thought process of is this moral, is that moral, is this moral, is that moral. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I, 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 you know, talk about this in Knights of the Old Republic a lot, uh, is this whole thing that that Lucas kind of dropped on uh, 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 the prequel trilogy of you know the Jedi don't date. Um, now we understand we understand why the explanation is you don't want to end up prizing anybody or any one individual uh, so highly that you will do terrible things. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's all sorts of stories about that. I just got home from Dr. Strange multiverse of madness an hour ago. Okay. That's, that's a theme, uh, you know, that you, that you shouldn't, uh, that, you know, it's, it's, it can be corrupting to, to care too much Mm -hmm. at the same time. Uh, the whole notion that, uh, that, uh, you know, the children of Jedi are strong in the force. Uh, I, 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 I use that to sort of have Obi-Wan literally ask, well, that's kind of strange. Uh, if if, you know, the, 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 if uh, does the force really know what it wants? Uh, if uh, if we're supposed to avoid families, and yet the you know families are strong in the force, uh, you know, and and he he also has the line uh, that he says, you know, if uh, if uh, you know if it if it if it is just inherently wrong to care a lot about somebody as decent as Padme. You know what is this thing we're in? Um, mm-hmm. You know that's that's uh, this is this this is I, I look at this as the beginning of Obi Wan. You know, more or less having to be his own uh, Jedi Order, his own you know his own church, his own everything. And so I wasn't in a rush for him to start talking to Qui Gon or talking to other people. <laughs> Um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, people ask what I what I think should have happened later or or, you know, how I will feel about uh, various things that I can't talk about anyway, uh, you know, later, later stories or shouldn't talk about anyway, because I don't want to get into anybody else's interpretation. Yeah, anybody can tell their own story. My feeling was always when I wrote the story, my feeling was always uh, Obi-Wan knows this is a life sentence on this planet. Mm. Uh, he knows he's the next time he leaves, he's going to be, you know, leaving for good uh, because, uh, you know, he's the hope that he's the hope that failed. Luke is the new hope. And mm. uh, and his job is here. And also, you know, he's he's under you know, feelings of guilt. He's here to atone. Uh, he, he you know, whether he could have stopped this or not, he feels like he could have stopped this. A uh, horrible thing that happened, and so that's that's where he's going to be. Uh, and of course, you know that's that's my view in 2007, um, and and in 2012, 13, when I'm writing the book. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it, again, uh, that doesn't preclude other people writing other kinds of stories. Um, you know, I I, I used to we, uh, Timothy Zahn and I have joked at conventions before that you know his. His preference is that Obi Wan basically leaves Tatooine constantly, uh, you know, involved in, in you know, you know, basically you know, doing secret ops to uh, cause uh, distractions, <laughs> keeping people away from Tatooine. Uh, and I, I always respond, well, you know, that's kind of like Andy Dufresne sneaking out of Shawshank Prison on the weekend to go to Boston. 
finally getting to leave uh, 19 years later and it's 19 years in both Shawshank Redemption and and, and Star Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it probably doesn't mean as much if you're always getting to, getting to go out. But again, look, there's 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 a million different Obi Wan Kenobi stories. They go and all have to adhere to to anything. And you know, to a degree, you know, uh, Kenobi being canon uh, or not, or Kenobi the novel being canon or not, Kenobi the novel being Legends. Well, that allows it to sit there and and mm-hmm. and be there no matter what. Well, and I think John, you, you know, you've, you've kind of addressed this a little bit in uh, in some ways, but just to kind of uh, ask you out, right? As far as just Star Wars big picture here, what what about Star Wars in particular really resonates with you, and and how has that changed you personally? Well, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's uh, you know changed and reshaped uh, you know my uh, career, um, and and having this access to this large readership and and the fans and their devotion to it. I mean that. Right off the top, there's that. Um, you know, it's helped to have a um, a franchise to write about here that you know has this deep well of different places that you can go and different kinds of stories that you can tell, uh, and and where you can go deep uh, on uh, on an issue like this and the Kenobi thing, or go in a completely different direction, like you know, it, you know the the uh, you know the New Dawn novel. Uh, it's as much about the rise of the Soviet Union as it is uh, anything right. else. Uh, <laughs> using my, you know, uh, my poor, uh, unloved uh, Soviet studies master's degree uh, that I <laughs> didn't actually didn't actually think it would be useful again. And of course, awesome. 2022, I actually have been calling on what I remember a lot more, uh, mm. unfortunately, mm. Uh, just in reading the news. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know it. it it's it's a uh, a franchise that has room to tell a lot of different kinds of stories um and uh and you, where you can have that kind of depth uh and have characters that are having those kind of uh crises that they're going through um you know star trek uh which i've kind of been doing in parallel with it for a number of years here uh the the simple added benefit to it is that i can actually I don't have to hide that I'm writing about mm. earth or human philosophers uh, right. or things like that. Uh, and also transporters. I love the transporters. <laughs> the transporters are storytelling and magic. Uh, you, you just get right to where you're, you're right to where the action is. Cool. Um, well, you know, we all have sort of, I know when you're, when you're doing these interviews and things, you kind of don't want to tread on having favorites. Um, but I kind of want to ask you if you have a favorite Star Wars movie. Fair. So I'd probably Empire because that was, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they said the golden age is 12 and I was 12 when that movie came out. <laughs> that was the movie that I was prepared for. That was the mm. movie that I, I did have all the stuff for. I had all the toys. I had everything else. I had my own shared universe that uh, a friend of mine had come up with notebooks full of the, the spaceships that we had drawn uh, and the planets and the culture and everything. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was, that was my peak fandom certainly. So completely, you know, unrelated to anything that happened in the movie itself. Uh, you know, that's uh, and again, it just so happens it was the best movie. So uh, that's uh, in my opinion, uh, but that's there. Uh, you know, and it's great that it keeps coming back around. Uh, and uh, and that's that's wonderful. Absolutely. Um, 
And then, you know, just going forward then with the other, um, the new series, right? Um, I know, Mike, we were all kind of, we were all looking forward to, you know, what's coming up next. And we're always talking about that. Um, so what are you most looking forward to just in general as, as an observer or as an author, whatever you'd like to, however you'd like to answer that um, in the Star Wars universe? In the Star Wars universe, well, again, it's great to have all these shows coming out. Um, you know, the Obi-Wan movie or TV show or whatever it's going to be, has uh, that bell has been rung again and again and again uh, in, in uh, social media for the last 10 years, uh, pretty much almost immediately after the, you know, the sale happened such that uh, you know, my uh, my mentions uh, on on social media have exploded you know, several times a year uh, when oh, there's going to be a, a Kenobi movie, or mm-hmm. no, it's not happening, or a TV show, <laughs> no, it's a movie again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you know, what I've said every time is more Obi Wan is always good, and um, you know, and Amen. there's that <laughs> more Obi Wan is always good, and there's that and. You know, and just in my position, you know, I one of the things I've kind of had to do in general, uh, I, it, I've gotten to where I don't do reaction videos to, you know, any of the shows, either Star Wars or Star Trek or anything else, just because, you know, again, as I said, they, they need to be able to do their own thing. I do my thing. They do their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but also, well, in the, in, you know, in, in the very obvious case, I knew everything that was happening in Rebels. Uh, mm-hmm. First season because I I mm-hmm. you know I was uh, working on New Dawn uh, you know I I I did the uh, the first novel for for uh, Captain uh, Pike uh, mm-hmm. as played by Anson Mount uh, called the Enterprise War uh, and you know I I I uh, and of course I have the now the first novel for uh, Strange New Worlds uh, is is coming out uh, you know later uh, you know later on here. Uh, and you know, basically, kind of, I, I'm 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 very close in some cases to what's going on, and in some cases I'm I'm more distant, and uh, it's it does me no good for anybody to know which is which. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I look, enough. I think I'm I'm glad that there's more content coming. I'm glad that people are having fun, um, and uh, you know, all these things. Uh, yeah, they're about escapism. They're about giving people, uh, you know, oh. something to invest their their time and energy in and, you know, really honest to gosh, you know, not fight about, um, you know, I, I know that, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the, the internet has supercharged a lot of the things that were always there. Uh, mm-hmm. Because again, you know, working with Don and Maggie Thompson uh, doing their fanzines back in the sixties and seventies. And, and then, then our own newspaper in, in uh, you know, Cox Byers guide that when I was working for it in the nineties, you know, people would find things to argue about, you know, very, very, very vocally. Uh, but, um, you know, the, 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 the nice thing was that uh, it took two weeks for a letter to get into print. Uh, <laughs> and, and it wasn't instantaneous. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think what everybody needs to understand is, look, this is, we're all having fun here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 our, our ad manager for Comics Buyer's Guide had a, uh, had a saying, he said, comics, you'd think they'd be fun. Uh, and, <laughs> and really that's, you know, I think that's how everybody ought to kind of feel about this stuff because, yeah, um, yeah. you know, people are really, uh, you know, I know they're passionate about it. I know they're, they feel it strongly. Um, 
you know, they when something comes up again that they're you know, they're really you know, obsessed about, um, you know, and it, it, they they get very concerned. Um, you know, this is this is not not necessarily just going to be my podcast for any of my uh, my religious themed metaphors, uh, but <laughs> I, I I I have a buddy who says that uh, that uh, you can't judge a comic book movie or or a science fiction movie that's based on a novel or anything like that. Because they're not actual movies, they're a chance for the fans to go to church and hear the <laughs> words spoken to them by another person, uh, by by another you know, inter- interlocutor, yeah. and 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 that's kind of true. Because I realized that we he, he, we, we we were watching the Watchmen movie uh, independently. We were having that discussion, and it's mm-hmm. like we realized, you know, at no point are we discussing whether this movie is good or not. We're actually just discussing <laughs> what you know, uh, what liberties it took uh, and whether they were correct or not. And, you know, some things, you know, look, the word canon, come on, Uh, you know, so uh, at at any rate, uh, but yeah, look, I, I think, I think people should, you know, kind of, kind of go back to what, you know, Shatner did in the SNL uh, uh, use a sketch where he's kind of like, you know, I did this thing for fun years ago. Uh, don't take it and turn it into something uh, that uh, that isn't. So and one of our other panelists, Andrew, always likes to just say whenever we discuss any controversies, he just always says, just just give us more Star Wars. Just give us more Star Wars. He's like, I'm just yep. happy we're getting more Star Wars. There you go. So perhaps uh, uh, an unfair question here. Um, yeah. Outside of Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, what is perhaps your your favorite project that you've worked on, or one that you've really enjoyed? You've mentioned Marvel, you've mentioned Star Trek, you've mentioned all sorts yeah. of different franchises. It's like trying to pick your favorite child, yeah. which is uh, unfair. Uh, but I, I will say that the the just completed um, or not the well the the, the hardcover that's out, the Picard novel that you've got, is my mm-hmm. favorite project of all time that I've worked on. Uh, mm. My favorite novel uh, because it is just it's a it's a screwball uh, a, a adventure with low stakes. Uh, it just you know, and it's, and it's almost entirely from the point of view of the Rios character, who you know has when they when they they're asking me to do the audiobook uh, uh, instructions for the uh, for the uh, for the uh, narrator uh, uh, Robert Petkoff, who just, just does wonderful work. Uh, I said, yeah, basically, this character has uh, you know two. Two, uh, you know, two modes, uh, you know, boredom and disgust, uh, <laughs> and 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 that's uh, and and you know, I I got to bring in you know all this stuff about uh, you know uh, collecting and and you know and philosophy and various other things uh, into this book uh, because you know what had happened is I I had done the the Emperor Georgiou book I had done the Enterprise War book where it, in both of them there had been you know, pretty heavy body counts in these books. And I had said, you know, look, with the, with the pandemic on and everything, I want to do something that's fun. I want to do something that mm. is, uh, I want to do something that is, uh, you know, it's going to be a good summer read. And it'll be a good summer read this year too, because uh, in June, the uh, the trade paperback version of that book comes out. Uh, mm. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm delighted I got to do that. You know, other favorites, uh, you know, the Simpsons comics that I did, you know, that's the kind of stuff where, you know, it, 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 again, I didn't have to make any, uh, it, you know, I didn't have to hide the fact that I wanted to write comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. That's 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 what it was. Um, and, you know, probably the the underseen thing that I did for Star Wars uh, that was just wonderful. Uh, 
we did for the Canto Bite book, which was uh, oh, the Casino yeah. World for episode sure, eight. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it, these were all stories that took place in one night on the casino planet. Uh, hmm. And I got to write a story about, you know, this this one you know, veteran card player uh, who, you know, is completely undermined by these three short green guys who, uh, you know, are, are just a, a force of chaos. Uh, and, uh, and, and as he tries to make a million credits in one night, uh, and again, that story, and again, to listen to the audiobook, uh, Jonathan Davis mm-hmm. does these cartoon voices for these characters, just wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's just a hoot. And so, you know, I, I, everything doesn't have to be huge stakes. Um, you know, sometimes you'll discover the stakes as you, as you get further in, um, you know, that, that Picard novel actually has some fairly significant stakes, but you don't know it until mm. you're a good ways in and uh, the characters don't know it. And, and, uh, and, you know, that's, fu- that's fun. I, I like doing that. I like fishing the reader in like that. That's a lot of fun. Um, and a lot of work too, I imagine, but, but enjoyable. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a lot of, um, I guess, a, a, a wide age range that listens to this podcast. We have, uh, some young folks that listen to this podcast as well as older. And um, I would like to ask you kind of on behalf of them, I know a lot of them are probably wondering this, how do I become an author? So <laughs> maybe, maybe young, but maybe yeah. not so young. You know? um, right, 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 right for places where people can read uh, what you're, what you've done, right to be read, right uh, where you'll get feedback, right where, uh, you know, you'll know whether you're, whether you're understood or not. Um, you know, uh, if there aren't, if there isn't a high school newspaper, there's um, usually a blog somewhere. There's a, if there's not a college newspaper, there's usually uh, a, a, you know, there's some place where you can write about the local uh, high school football game. Doesn't matter whether you care about what you are particularly, uh, you know, you care particularly about what you're writing about. I, in fact, you know, it, you know, my year doing lumber was training uh, for be, writing other things that I knew more about. Um, and uh, you know, fan fiction people do it. Uh, I, I I've never you know been critical of doing it. Uh, I will say that it, because it, because it does get you read. It gets other people reading your work. Um, it is not going to help anybody um, necessarily get a job writing tie-in fiction, and uh, and your your uh, your fan fiction will never be published. Uh, just as a as a um, a matter of law. Uh, the, the, the publishers are not allowed to look at that material, uh, because, you know, you might, uh, you might send in your, uh, your novel with, uh, Han Solo and Lando and, or whoever, and, uh, they might not even look at it, but, uh, you know, if, if a, if a movie with Han Solo and Lando comes out later on with more or less the same idea, uh, you know, you, you you might be talking to a lawyer at that point, and uh, they. This is why uh, you know the the tie-in publishers just can't look at anything unsolicited, and it's also why I, as an author, I I just don't read anything uh, that that comes in like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry about it, but you know the 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 way that you get hired to do this kind of stuff is to have done something else already. Uh, it's by invitation uh only uh in general and uh and so you know what you need to do is uh is basically build your 
uh, build your own uh, portfolio, uh, get stamps in your passport. Um, you know, it, and this is the good thing about it is it's easier to self-publish uh, today than it has ever mm-hmm. been. Uh, you know, uh, when when I was starting out, uh, you know, Kindle was not a thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 uh, you know, self-publishing was you know in in prose was considered vanity press, uh, mm-hmm. and with 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 the intended uh, uh, you know derogatory uh, adjective there uh, that you know that meant this is something nobody else would want to publish. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, it's not like that anymore. Um, uh, or at least it's, it's not exclusively, you know, the opinion of everybody. Um, but it, 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 it is the case that you kind of need to be able to have a, a variety of things that you've written for a variety of people and something where you can show I have written for other people who have had to approve what I did. I have had to hit a deadline. Um, mm that sort of thing. And, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of what it takes from there. And again, um, I would say save everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I have, I have cases and cases here of folders of stuff that I did uh, when I was, uh, when I was a kid and, and on mm-hmm. through high school, college, everything since. Um, and uh, you know, I've, I've been, you know, using Macintoshes since 1990. I have the same file structure since 1990. I can actually go in and find some of my idea files, uh, you know, okay. where, I, where I wrote a concept for a short story here or there back then. And uh, every so often I get something out of them. I mean, it's a save everything. Well, what do you, John, what do you think the hardest, overall, the hardest part of being an author is, or, or maybe along the same lines, like what, what, people might be surprised to know about, about your line of work. Well, you have to, for a novel, you have to go away for a long time. Uh, mm. And, and uh, in, you know, one of the things that I've had to learn to do is to do a novel. I've had to block out the time and say nothing else, oh, um, yeah. nothing else. I had a, I had a, uh, you know, during, uh, during strange new worlds, uh, during the, the original uh, work on it, I had a, a comic book uh, that, uh, a job that needed to be done. And I said, I need to bring in an assistant on this who can actually, you know, wrangle the world. Uh, so I don't have to sit researching stuff. I just want to write the words. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, again, because I don't want to have overlapping things if I can help it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, some people are very good at that. Uh, if I'm doing something where I'm in one character's head for a lot of the time, uh, you know, even two, three, four days away, uh, you know, that it can be hard to get rolling again. Uh, yeah. So, so there's that, that, that kind of isolation you have to be okay with. Um, and then you have to be okay with being an extrovert pretty much all of the rest of the time, uh, because you are expected <laughs> to promote, you yeah. are expected to, uh, you know, go to the conventions and it happens that I like doing that. And I like having, uh, you know, getting, getting feedback. Um, well, not getting feedback in the sense that I read my own reviews. I don't do that. Uh, uh, but but I, I, I like being able to actually, you know, go to conventions and have panels and do podcasts and, and things mm-hmm. like that, where I get to talk about the work. So, you know, these ideas that have been sort of you know, stumbling around in my head, by me discussing the work, it actually clarifies what I even intended to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. 
Cool. Uh, John, we've got one more question uh, to sure. head your way. Uh, this question actually comes from one of our listeners because we uh, we asked our listeners to, to submit questions. So I know you've already kind of touched on this, but I want to I want to read this because uh, uh, we, I want to honor what our listeners are doing and listeners in the future when we do these interviews, uh, definitely uh, pay attention on our social media and discord and whatnot. So you can submit questions when we do these in the future. So this question comes from Jeff on Discord, and he says, I am currently rereading Kenobi in preparation for the TV series. I know it is not canon under Disney. However, I noticed a reference to Satine in the first part of the book. The publication was was about a year after Disney acquired Star Wars, and I was curious if the if in the writing of this book it was ever planned to be canonical or what direction the publisher Lucasfilm or Disney provided and how it would integrate into the new canon if at all was there ever a plan for it to be under the new canon I still consider it headcanon thank you for the great stories of this and a new dawn rebels and canon are some of my favorite star wars thank you Oh, very good. Well, thanks, Jeff. Um, well, first, you know, to recap what we had said, uh, Kenobi was actually published and in print before I yeah. even started working on New Dawn. And we didn't know anything about, you know, the plans for, uh, you know, the plans for, uh, you know, the story group and and what they were doing afterward. I mean, obviously, the reason that they did what they did was pretty simple. They You're not going to do a billion-dollar movie and have an opening crawl that's, far, you know, 400 feet long. Uh, because it includes everything that happened in all the all, all the all the novels to that point, and also some of the pretty big events in uh, you know in Star Wars history uh, had, had had happened in that stretch. And again, you you need to give the filmmaker something to work with. Um, you know, specifically with regard to Satine, because that's come up a bunch of times now. Um, you know, I that uh, how that got into the work. That name was actually suggested by my editor. Uh, in one of the uh, one of the proofreading rounds, uh, where it was just suggested, maybe we should suggest something about where he ca- got the name from. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, here's what here's what I've got. Uh, you know, she she suggested Satine, and I didn't know at that time. I think somebody had said maybe that had come from a script that you know had not been filmed or something like that. I can't remember where that came from. It didn't come from me. Uh, uh, but, but, the, but the Satine mention had been mentioned, uh, and I said, well, I can do that. But then I also have this other issue, which is that, uh, writer Wyndham already explained where Ben got the name, uh, in, um, the, a book called life and legend of Obi-Wan Kenobi that he did for Scholastic, where he said that he's, that Ben saw the name Ben's Mesa, uh, on, uh, a, um, uh, on, on a map. Uh, when he was at the real estate office, uh, and and that Ben's Mesa actually goes pretty far back, uh, because that had come from I think one of the role playing games or something like that at some point. Uh, whether it was a map, and again whether whether it was influenced by the fact that Ben Kenobi lived there and they called it Ben's Mesa or vice versa, I don't know. Uh, but uh, what I my my philosophy is I always try to make all accounts correct. Uh, and if there's more than one possible answer, I find a way to, you know, put it in, put them both in there. So I, I put, uh, I put both the Ben's Mesa thing and Satine in there. Uh, that was just, that was just between me and, uh, and it had been suggested to me by, uh, by my editor or one of the editors, of the process. 
where it came from beyond that or what it meant after that, uh, that is outside my realm. Uh, that's, uh, that's, I'm just a guy in Wisconsin. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast this evening. If uh, people are interested in purchasing any of your books or finding more information about you, where is a good place to find you online? Uh, my website, farawaypress.com. Uh, I have behind the scenes pages on just about everything I've ever done, including an extremely long one on uh, Kenobi. Probably the longest one on the site is for Kenobi. Uh, chapter by chapter trivia, uh, behind the scenes notes, a link to maps on starwars.com of everything that happens in the book. Uh, and also a, uh, a, uh, a link to James Arnold Taylor doing a reading uh, from uh, one of the uh, meditations that Obi-Wan does, James Arnold Taylor being the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars. Uh, and uh, and so you have that. Uh, and basically most of those pages have links that go to, you know, I, I've, got, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a page on the website for each of the books where you've got links for Amazon and all the various uh, other, you know, bookstores that, that, that are out there. Uh, on Twitter, I am JJM Faraway. On Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, I am John Jackson Miller. Awesome. Well, definitely. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to, to talk to us. This was a, a phenomenal conversation and uh, we are so thrilled to have you on the show and to share this with our, with our listeners. So thank you uh, so much for, for all your great work in star Wars and all the other franchises that you continue to, to do work in. <laughs> well, thanks. And uh, may, may the force live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, listeners, uh, thank you for listening to this episode and our discussion with John Jackson Miller. And of course, we want to hear what you thought of our discussion or if you have any follow up uh, comments and you can let us know on all the various social medias. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Starquest Media. You can tweet at us and we're on Twitter at SQPN and you can email us any feedback at Star Wars at SQPN dot com. Also, please join us in the discussion on Discord. We are on Discord um, at sqpn.com slash Discord is how you can find us. And at this point, we'd have, we, of course, want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars because we can't do this show without your uh, without your help. And so this week we are recognizing Renee H., Stephanie Z., Paul L., Kenya S., and George S., and their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we make here at StarQuest. And if you would like to join them, go to sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, make sure that you are subscribed to the show uh, in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And you can also find us on the SQPN YouTube channel. And you can find all of our previous episodes by going to sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And that is going to be it from us today. And of course, we are super excited because we will be back next week as we eagerly jump into our review of the first two episodes of the Kenobi show. So definitely don't want to miss that. Watch those episodes and join us uh, next week as we talk about all things uh, Kenobi. So until next week, Angela Stilana, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. What a pleasure it's been. Thank you. And Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us this evening as well. I wouldn't miss it for the world. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. 
Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest.